Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week I'm part of a great program called the Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100-GAMBLER. Visit rg-help.com. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Tuesday edition of East Coast Bias. Raheem Palmer, Joe House. John Jastrzemski, we're all in one piece after the first weekend in the NCAA tournament. And and fellas, I got to start here because this was, to me, one of the more insane Sunday night finishes to a game that you're ever going to see. And it's not from a win or loss standpoint, but from a wagering standpoint. And it is East Coast bias. And it is the Ringer Gambling Show. And when something like this happens... And I have the triple threat convening here. We have to discuss this right out of the gate. House, you have been gambling on games for way too long. I have been gambling on games. Raheem, you've been gambling on games for, for forever. House, that is to me one of the craziest swings. And I had TCU, full disclosure, plus four and a half. One of the lowest of lows and one of the highest of highs from Everything that went down in that sequence, and might I add, House, I woke up all Brooklyn when they hit that three at half court down the game. I'm just letting you know, guys. I woke up all Brooklyn after that one. <laughs> See, JJ, for me, there was a situation of sometimes the best bets are the ones you don't make because there is no way I could have survived that 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 last minute of, of that game. Plus, I'm old. I mean, that game ran late, buddy. <laughs> it, was, it was a midnight <laughs> Sunday night, you know. By the way, can we talk to the NCAA? Can we move this the whole schedule up a little bit? Why are we playing games uh, that are are of significant stature? Ten o'clock. I know we, it's it's across the because they want the, the standalones. That's I why know, but, they want the standalones. The price is nobody got to see that unbelievable ending. 
Anyway, well, congratulations to you. Need your coffee. Hey, listen, it was a win, Raheem. And uh, uh, there's nothing worse than when you have a foul and it's called with under one second when basically Dixon, the TCU coach, is like, don't foul, don't foul, it's over. And, and I don't think I've ever seen a situation where I'm, I'm like doing the math in my head. I'm like, there's seven tenths of a second. There is no conceivable way they can even get a shot off unless you do the roll the ball scenario. Raheem, they never do that, man. They never. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times they're just, you know, lethargic and just apathetic about it at the end of the game where they just catch the ball and let the, the clock run out. But it was almost like the guy knew the spread, and he said on Twitter, like, yo, don't get mad at me. I didn't tell y'all to bet against TCU. We're playing to the end of the game. So, I mean, you got to respect it when, you know, a, te- a team is going to play hard to the end of the game. So um, I love seeing that. Hey, it was the most dramatic moment uh, of the tournament, without a doubt, from a wagering standpoint. The other one house, and I don't know if you saw this one, in the Charleston-San Diego State game, which Charleston is basically covering the entire time on Thursday. Did you see this? And they they call a foul again with a second to go? Of course. I mean, when you're on the wrong side of these, these are disgusting. Yeah, I had Charleston. That, I mean, I, 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 I greatly uh, shrunk down my allocation over the course of the weekend. I was on the wrong side of a couple of those uh, Thursday, Friday. I said, you know what? Let me let me slim it down a little bit here. I can't keep taking L's like that. These fa- Part of the thing, and I do wonder uh, about this. I haven't seen it in the analytics. I would really like, and I don't know if the NCAA does enough in terms of revealing the identity of the referee crews far enough in advance, but there is a significant, significant impact on the flow of these games and these outcomes based on these referee crews, and the variance is enormous. So I, I don't know. I'm sure there are smart uh, NCAA betters out there that have a line on you know, pulling down the identity of these crews, what conference they come from, and what their proclivities are. I'm not at that level yet, but next year, I'm telling you, I'm gonna, we need some research into because they, 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 the, the outcomes of these games are greatly swung by the character of, of, of uh, referee style. Well, and you used to see it, Raheem, all the time where you would get a certain team from a conference that's used to playing with physicality. Like, I remember for years, the Big East was always one of those conferences where you got after it, and, and they were hammering guys, and they were playing a certain style, and then you would get, I don't know, an ACC ref, or you would get a, a ref from a different conference, then all of a sudden, half their guys are in foul trouble, give or take. So, House, there's definitely something to that. Uh, Raheem, any takeaways you had from the first weekend? My Duke future is finished. The good news is my UCLA and my Creighton futures live to die another day. So at least we have that cooking. Uh, not going into Sweet 16 yet, but as far as what you saw this weekend, anything really stand out? Um, I, I think the one thing that stands out, I mean, like I, I think Houston is very vulnerable. Um, you know, I, obviously Sasser had the injury. Um, you know, he he fought through it, but I just don't think this this is the true number one seed that you know we thought that they were would be, and I I just don't see this team making it to the Final Four. So, um. I think they they play Miami on Friday. I would be looking towards Miami, honestly, but uh, I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is that I, I just don't think you can you can truly back this Houston team, and I think Matrix Mac is probably going to lose a lot of money. <laughs> How's takeaway from what you saw first weekend? Um, the most impressive team to me that was kind of a, a team that I hadn't seen a, a ton of, but I, I was keen to um, see them, was UConn. 
because they're inside the uh, top 20 on both offensive and defensive efficiency. And I just want to see Danny Hurley didn't have a great track record in the tournament. So I was just very curious about the identity of this team. This this young man, Adamas Nogo, is the realest oh, he's of a beast. real. He's Bruh, a beast. 52 points, 21 rebounds, 24-33 from the field. Uh, you know, spoiler, I'm on UConn on, the, on Thursday, buddy. Thursday night, I'm on UConn. Well, and I'm glad, House, that you referenced some Kempom metrics. Look at you doing your homework, doing your research. You sound like this studious uh, analytics savant dropping some Kempom knowledge on us here on East Coast Bias. And you're right. Listen, UConn has been a darling of Kempom all year. They've been a top 10, basically, you know, team all year in that department. And that's something you want to look for, ladies and gentlemen. Champions, it's hard to find the outlier of teams that are outside of that top 30 offensive, defensive efficiency. So there's something to that. Uh, I got to throw this in here because I was dead wrong about Duke. Listen, they had no answer for the physicality of Tennessee. They got punked. They got hit in the mouth. They could not handle the defense and the toughness that that Tennessee team brought to the table. I am going to take a bow here, though, Raheem. You know, I like to do that every now and again. I told you guys Purdue was a bunch of frauds. I told you guys. Now, I didn't think they were going to lose to a 16 seed in Fairleigh Dickinson. And I love the announcing crew in that game. And I like Catalan because he's a good guy. Uh, and I like Steve Lapis. But they were all over it. The, the Purdue kids were afraid to shoot the ball. The 16 seed, the team that was the smallest team Raheem in the country. You got guards for Purdue that are afraid to shoot. And they got this 7-3 monster, and they can't give him the ball, for goodness sakes. I mean, they deserve to lose. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. Honestly, I mean, even though they were the 16th seed, they look more athletic. I mean, to me, it was like almost like watching Space Jam at times when they, you know, you saw Purdue try to drive into the lane. And it just, I mean, they just swatting these balls everywhere. So it just like, it it was tough to see. And then the one thing I'll say about Zach Eady, it was very reminiscent of playoff Gobert um, because it was just like, they would put him in the pick and roll and just, they were just attacking him. He's just so slow footed that like, he's just not going to be a good defender if you force him to play in space. And I think that's what they did. Um, and it just, it was so reminiscent of playoff Gobert. <laughs> playoff Gobert. Jeez. I, I, listen, we'll see if, we'll, we'll see if Edie can uh, have the career of Gobert, by the way, house as I watch Gobert. Uh, Edie's going to be lucky. You know, what's crazy about Edie though? 20 years ago, 25 years ago, house. That's a guy who has a 12 to 15 year NBA career. If his body holds up now with his game and his inability to shoot, it's hard for me to forecast a guy like that having serious NBA success. It just he's is. the second coming of Luca Garza. I mean, they're they're, they're virtually the, the the same dude. Luca's in the league right now. There's a spot for him. Um, he 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 can, uh, you know, provide some some at the rim defense. That's a teachable skill at, at his size. Uh, and so that there's always value for that in the NBA. But but his inability to to really move, you know, he doesn't move great. Um, I don't. I mean, Garza was a second round pick. I, I would say I would have the same. I don't. I haven't checked out KOC and J. Kyle Mann's uh, Ringer NBA draft forecast lately. But I, I don't. He doesn't look like a first rounder to me. No shot. Absolutely yeah. no shot. I mean, I, I think shoot. he's like on the the Boban trajectory. <laughs> like uh, he, he, Boban, that's my sister's buddy. She loves Boban. <laughs> They're always hanging and messaging. I, I hope Boban is at my sister's wedding. By the way, he, uh, he's he very good at commercials. He's outstanding in commercials. Yeah. All right, we got some futures, gentlemen, to get to. 
as we look ahead to Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and Sunday, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and there's some chalk and there's some chaos. And I will tell you, there is a future gentleman I added to my portfolio because I am going to Vegas next week. And I basically want to have at least one or two of these bad boys riding and alive at the very least to get us to the stadium swim cabana. So I am keeping my fingers crossed. I'll tell you what that future is. We edit it. We edit it Sunday at around two o'clock in the afternoon. All right, that's coming up next. So House, as you know, I need to add futures for this Vegas trip I'm going on next week. I admire I it. added Michigan State mm. 30 to 1 to win March Madness. Now, I don't think they're going to win. Let me let me make that perfectly clear. But they are in the region right now that's wide open. You got Tennessee taking on the Owls of Florida Atlantic. You got Kansas State taking on Michigan State. I loved Michigan State the other day. I did a Sunday Ringer Gambling show that we posted right before the games. Izzo in March, getting points, absolute no-brainer. House, my thought is, if they can win the two games at Madison Square Garden, having that 30-1 to ticket, all right, I, I got some, you know, maneuverability here. I got some, some wiggle room to either maybe hedge or to figure out what I'm going to do. I think Michigan State's got a great chance to go and win the next two games. Can I get your endorsement on my 30-to-1 ticket that I placed before Sunday's game on the Spartans to win the title? Um, no, because I don't think that they can win the title. I understand the thesis, and, and, and I don't uh, hate it. I much, much, much prefer them to win the East region. So you'd and, rather just bet the region. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I, mean, I did that as well. Three to by one the way. Odds. I did that as well. I'm just yes. throwing it out there. Yes, I understand. I, I can't endorse them to to win the whole thing. There's just too many teams left in this wide open tournament with too much depth and really too much um scoring power ultimately. I mean, you know, I I it's another Tom Izzo team. He just comes in and rewrites, flips the script on on what the identity of the team is over the course of the year. They, they, the best path to success for them is, is minimizing uh, turnovers and hitting threes. And and yet, you know, they come in, they can't really hit threes uh, and they turn over the other team quite a bit, but you, you can't sleep on Izzo ever. I like very much the position they're in for a final four bid, but I'm not going to uh, uh, bet them to win the whole thing, bro. Well, Raheem, they're plus 270 to win the East region. Tennessee's plus 120, Kansas State plus 320. Florida Atlantic, the Owls, who had a scare from Fairleigh Dickinson at plus 470. Can I get you seeing green here, Raheem, with Michigan State? I don't have much of an opinion on it, honestly. I mean, they are. I mean, I look at some of the models out there. Um, they are like 53% to, to defeat Kansas State. And then I guess if you look at, you know, if they're playing Tennessee in the, the following round, I'm assuming that they would be, you know, underdogs in the 35% range. I was going to say, um, two to three point underdogs, and I love them in a the game. Absolutely love them. Tom Izzo against Rick Barnes in an Elite Eight game. Where do I sign? Where do I freaking sign? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, I think you would have to map everything out, but I wonder if you would you would be in a better position if you just kind of just rolled it over game by game. Um, and then that well, would allow can, you to... Well, Raheem, I could do that as well. I have no yeah. problem deciding to bet Michigan State, which we will get to in the games coming up on Thursday. So a little game by game, a little future. I'm just adding it to the portfolio. House, UConn, by the way, in case you're wondering, and I know you're high on the Huskies, 
They are nine to one right now to win this NCAA tournament. Does that intrigue you? Um, not only does it intrigue me, I gambled on it. I went ahead and bought that bought that ticket. Just from from what we saw, you know, trying to find value on a team um, at this at this stage. They they won uh, their two games. They did what I want a team that's kind of an outlier to do, which is come in and handle business. Like they were they were they were almost no threats whatsoever in either one of their games. I think they won by a combined like forty points. Their their two games. They just look loaded, ready. They know their identity. I hope I'm not putting the whammy on them. I love them at nine to one. I've invested in it. So Raheem, here are the odds right now. To win the title. The updated odds, according to our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. We have Bama as the favorite, understandably so, with Brandon Miller. They're a plus 320. Houston, who you're down on. Funny, you're down on Houston, and they looked vulnerable against Auburn. I'm like kind of glass half full on Houston because I saw him in the second half come back and absolutely kick the crap out of Auburn where I'm like, mm, Sasser's back. They got the, the juju of trying to get the final four in their backyard. They're a plus 400. UCLA, which is my pick to win the title, they're a plus 850. UConn houses boys are at 9 to 1. Creighton's 950. Texas, 10 to 1. Tennessee, 11 to 1. Gonzaga, 12 to 1. You know what that tells you, Raheem? The odds and Vegas, they're kind of unsure is going to win this bad boy. There's no clear cut favorite here, dude. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Alabama's probably still the clear cut favorite, but I mean, I mean, Based on the odds, you see it's, it's not much separation between these two, te- between all of these teams. So I definitely agree with you there. Um, I think if I had to go with somebody, <sighs> this is tough for me. Um, I probably would just go with Bama, honestly. It's just, I mean, they have, I like I, I like this guy, guy, Brandon Miller. I just think he's, he's, he's shown me a lot. And I, I just think he's moving up draft fours at this point. Like he could be the number two pick over school. So um, I probably would go with Alabama, but I'm, I'm not strong on anything personally. All right, guys, we have game odds for Thursday and we got a couple of days to wait. You got two games at Madison Square Garden. You have two games in Las Vegas. So what they decided to do on Thursday is they wanted to take JJ's actual home, New York City, and then JJ's second home, Las Vegas, and they want to combine the two and put basketball games in regionals in two cities that are near and dear to my heart. House, you're not going to like this. I think this UConn-Arkansas line is stinky. It's mm. stinky. And, and here's my fear with the game. Arkansas is undersized. Your boy, Sinogo, in theory, should be able to kick the crap out of them inside. But Arkansas gets after it on defense. They are aggressive. They played a great game. And that Coach Musselman, man, he's taking his shirt off. First of all, for, for a guy who's <laughs> taking his shirt off, you see why he's taking his shirt off. He's in pretty good shape. You know, he wasn't he wasn't one of these guys ripping the 300-pound keg under his stomach. It was like, all right, this guy, uh, this guy came to play a little bit. I think that three and a half is a really tough number. Really tough number. Will you double down house and take UConn laying three and a half? I hate the number. I'm 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 with you. I I wish it was under three. I would feel so much better for Z, even if it was right right there at, at three. I don't. I'm not paying the juice. Um, but the difference to me is Sonogo. I am comfortable with it. I fear uh, Arkansas. I don't want anybody to misunderstand. I that 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 is a team that that is uh, like inherently uh, you know built on on variance, and they have um, you know good good defenders. Devontae Davis. Uh, Ricky Council could could carry the load on on offense, so I'm I'm uh, wary of Arkansas, but UConn's my guys, so I'm going with UConn. 
Raheem, why that that line opened up at four? Money coming in on the Huskies moves down a half point. I don't see that's I don't like that immediately, dude. That scares me immediately. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, that's tell that's telling you something. I mean, the market is speaking, so you gotta respect the market. Um, I'll tell you one, guys. We know you. I- I'm on Michigan State, a- and I know Kansas State got a New York City guard. Uh, by the way, Raheem, anytime you got a coach calling you the little man, I, I see why that guy was like, "Yo, screw you, Cal. I'm dropping forty on your ass." Like, dude, you don't you don't disrespect New York City little guys like that. Like that is. That is the sin of all sins from John Calipari. This game, I can't wait to bet. Gonzaga, UCLA. Shades of Adam Morrison. Shades of Jalen Smith from a couple of years ago. House, like, this is a game that I circled, like, when the bracket came out. I said, wow, if we can get Gonzaga and UCLA, there's some tournament history with these teams. I love UCLA myself in the game. I I I think UCLA's got a chip on their shoulder. They are tough. Jacquez, Tiger Campbell, line opened at one and a half, up to two and a half. It's a revenge game. Remember, a lot of those guys, you don't normally get this in college basketball because there's so much turnover, but those guys are coming back. I'm all over UCLA on Thursday night, laying two and a half. You in? I, I, I'm, I'm afraid of it um, just because UCLA keeps getting dinged with, with, with injuries. Um, I think it's a very close game. By the way, I know you... You said Jalen Smith. I know you're talking about Jalen Suggs. Suggs. Oh my yeah, God. I, yeah. I know you do. I, I, I know. Thank well, you for calling me out on that, by the way. That's embarrassing. Well, I'm, I'm actually gets, annoyed. No, I get the names wrong all, all, all the time. Well, I was going to say, usually I mispronounced them. So it's usually <laughs> not the actual name. I just mispronounced them. This time I actually got it wrong. My guy Suggs. I apologize. You yeah, made me money in that game. But it, it, it's very juicy. Uh, I just, you know, I give a slight edge to UCLA, but I don't have a strong um, feeling in terms of, of, uh, a deep wager that I'm going to make. I respect both programs. Um, I love how how uh, UCLA has bounced back after losing um, uh, Jalen Clark to that injury. Um, I wish UCLA was healthy because they would have been live, um, you know, for this tournament as a potential uh, champion. But um, I, I, my my only uh, inclination here would be a slight lean towards UCLA. I, I, I can't make a big bet on it. Yeah, I think you got to lean towards UCLA. I mean, when you look at Gonzaga, I mean, they are elite offensively, but I mean, they're still 75th in defensive efficiency. Um, You know, one thing I want to say is that when you look at this tournament, a lot of these games have been going under. Under. Like, I, like, I mean, there's been unders galore in these games. And like, I think when you look at the game, like there's been 52 total games, 35 of them have gone under. That's like 67%. Um, and I mean, I think when you look at these two offenses, offenses and you have a defense like Gonzaga who can't really defend, I think you can get like an over in, in this game. And I think you want to be looking towards overs in general because at some point, you know, eyes makers are going to adjust. You're not going to continue to see unders um, in the tournament like the way we've been seeing them. So I think that's that's one one way you want to look at things. Raheem, that is such an excellent point. And I think you even started to notice a little bit of the market correction to some of these totals. Even in the Sunday games, I noticed that a bunch of the games, and listen, I missed out on this under trade because I had a buddy of mine, he was just betting blindly, first half under, first half under, first half under. And he's going to be dancing. He's going to be throwing money in my face when I see him in Las Vegas because all he did was hit. Game after game after game. But House, you know this with these odds makers. Eventually, they are going to catch on 
to that sort of trend where you have folks that are kind of like soaking in the information saying under, under, under. Okay, we'll lower the totals a little bit. And then you start seeing some of those overs come in. So you got to kind of tread lightly, I think, and just blindly, you know, betting a trend like that, give or take. Having said all of that, and I agree wholeheartedly with the thoughtful assessment of, of both of my ECB colleagues here, I am circling this Tennessee FAU game. Well, which that's is fine. As an other <laughs> on the books <laughs> at, at one thirty-one and a half, and you know the, the the models that I've seen, what what folks are projecting, are all like mid one twenties to 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 high one twenties at best. And as a uh, noted creature of recency bias, a person that's that really subscribes to the what what I saw the last time I saw him play that Tennessee team how physical they were and their ability to control the game through that through that defensive physicality that that is elite defense and i think with tennessee the thing is um they they shot the three very well they were 9 to 21 against duke i expect a little bit of regression there i'm worried about the rick barnes death trap you know as soon as you start believing in a rick barnes team in the ncaa tournament he jumps up and punches you in the mouth Tennessee's a four and a half point favorite, but I like both Tennessee minus the four and a half, and I like the under of 131 and a half. All right, uh, so you get an agreement from me on one of the sides. I'm right there with you with the under. I think it's an under game. I think it's an absolute rock fight with the way those teams can't execute at times on offense and the way they get after it on defense. I'm going the other way here, though. I'm on the Owls plus the points. And you, I hope you got four and a half because then maybe we both can win here. It is now at five and a half for Tennessee and Florida Atlantic. I'm on the Owls in this game. I I I think they have the athleticism to match Tennessee. And it reminds me a lot, Raheem, of the Memphis game that we saw in the first weekend of the tournament. Like, I think it's going to be that style of game, which I think is conducive to the way Florida Atlantic plays. I'm in. Five and a half. I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but I think that is a... That's like a two-point game. That game has like 57-54 written all over it. I'm taking a dog. I think there's value with the dog, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I think we we already seeing this line come down. I think FanDuel has it at four and a half right now. So. Oh, good, good thing I got my five and a half. Okay, I like yeah, that. Yeah, so the, so the market is agreeing with you right now. There we go. Good, I like that. I like that. Excellent. All right, we'll get to the lines here on Friday. Um, Raheem, I know you love Miami. I don't, dude. That's funny you say that. I don't. I And Miami is good to me. Like, I, I bet them a lot over the last couple of weeks. And they got experience. I bet them in both NCAA tournament games. The Drake game you deserved. I, I, you were 100% right. That ended up being a horrible beat. I mean, it's just an absolute collapse. And I liked Miami against Indiana. Everybody was on Indiana. They didn't have the, they didn't have the backcourt to handle Miami's backcourt. I just think Houston is going to kill them, dude physicality-wise, and I think they're going to kill him on the glass. So you're on Miami, I'm on Houston. Why Miami, Raheem? I, I just think the offense. I mean, I think, I mean, it's going to be tough to hold down this Miami offense. And I just think um, it just it just feels like they're live, you know. So it's just, um, I'm going to take a shot on them on the money line, honestly. <laughs> See, I think that's the way to play it, though, to be honest with you, Raheem. I think if you like Miami in a game, I, I, I don't think they lose close, House. Like, to me, if Miami is in the game, with the way they've pulled out close games over the course of this year, you should take a shot on the money line. I think if Houston wins this game, they win by double figures. Like, I think Houston wins a no-doubt romp if they end up winning. That's kind of my feeling on the game. 
Yeah, I, I don't hate it. The money line Miami right now is plus plus two fifty, and that is kind of an old NCAA strategy. If you think that a team is going to cover, you should play them to win as as well. Um, I don't have a good feel for this. I've been on the wrong side of Miami both of the first two games <laughs> thus far. I had Drake uh, and and was was loaded into it um, on the same theory. If you're like an underdog, go ahead and and, and uh, play the money line. But in any event. Um, I was super impressed, as you were, JJ, by the second half dominance of Houston. Um, but I'm I'm just a little bit leery of what the uh, the Houston identity is. They're 15 and one over the last 16 games, so there's there's a, there's a clear trend here. But um, I, I I'm 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 not going to go against Miami at the at the moment. One thing they're they're 15 and one, but if you look at their l- last 11 games as a favorite, they're three and eight against the spread. And yeah, so it's just they're not really covering these numbers. So, um, I mean, they've been winning, obviously, but I mean, good teams cover. I mean, great teams cover, good teams win. So you guys know the phrase. A a little heads up action. But by the way, Raheem, as you know, I threw a lot of I took a lot of darts. I threw a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of hands in the cookie jar right now trying to get something. There might be a 65 to 1 on Miami to win the title. So I'm not going to hate if uh, Miami goes and beats <laughs> Houston. Just just throwing that out there, bro. Just throwing that out there. House, do you see any game on Friday? We have Aztec Bama, where you have Alabama favored by seven and a half. You got Creighton, who is a double digit favorite against the Ivy League Wonders from Princeton. And then you got Xavier, Texas, with the Longhorns covering four. By the way, can we salute Penn State for that four-point play to cover our number on Saturday night? <laughs> you want to talk about another one that we pulled out of our rear end. That was that, another one we pulled out of our rear end. Oh, that, uh, that was absolutely amazing. That <laughs> did work out for us. That were one for the good guys there. It made up It made up for that Fugazi backcourt violation that you have self-inflicted. But again, I digress. Um, anything <laughs> house you like on Friday? Um, I'm, I'm interested in this Texas team. I really feel like, you know, they, they, they've shown us uh, something – they they uh, really bounced back so admirably from the whole uh, mess with 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 the coach and um, the guy that, that's been there in, in the stand-in capacity has been tremendous. Um, Rod, Roddy Terry, I just want to give out some flowers to Roddy Terry, that, you know, for for basically saving the season and, and and bringing this Texas team to this point. I think this game is going to be close. I don't really love laying the three and a half, but what I what I'd be inclined to do. Is some kind of money line parlay with Texas and and maybe Creighton. I do I do feel like Creighton is another team. Uh, speaking of Ken Palm, darling, on on the correct side of of you know top twenty five both offense and defense, they're going to handle their business. Super impressive run by Princeton, but uh, like a little money line parlay between Texas and 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 Creighton. That's that's kind of a direction I'm leaning for Friday. Oh, okay. Okay, I like creating a money line parlay too. I just got to figure what I'm going to put it with. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out, you know, one of these one seats, Houston or Alabama, is going to be in for a white knuckle on Friday night. I, I just, I, I don't know who it's going to be. And believe it or not, Raheem, I think it's more likely Alabama than Houston. I think the physicality of, I can't believe I'm saying this about a Mountain West team because they just absolutely imploded and played terribly in this tournament again. But San Diego State got through. They got a lot of experience. They defended a very high level. I'm taking a shot here with San Diego State to keep this game close against Alabama. Now I know if Alabama wins this game by 25, I'm going to sound like a horse's ass. But you know what? 
I, I'm going to take a shot here. Now that San Diego State got through, I feel like a little bit of that like burden of pressure is kind of it's kind of taken off of them. Hey, you got on the loose here. No one's giving you a shot in this game against Alabama. I'm grabbing seven and a half. I mean, I can see it just because, I mean, when you look at San Diego State, they are one of the best defensive teams in the country. But, I mean, I, I think the issue is can their offense keep up? So this will probably be a rock fight in some ways. Um, and, you know, either they're going to keep it real close or, you know, have a chance to win or they're going to get blown out. So um, I wish you the best of luck. <laughs> hey, listen, we're, ta- we're taking some dart throws here and it's no investment here in a future in San Diego State. I-, I was actually wise enough not to invest in the Mountain West Conference in any way. But hey, San Diego State started the day Saturday with a bang. So uh, we'll take it. All right. A lot of tournament stuff there. We'll come back. Get you ready for a big week in the NBA. We have hit the home stretch. I mean, inside of 20 games to go. Final couple weeks before we hit the postseason. And our guy House right now is living large in Memphis. So he's going to have to give us the scouting report of what he saw last night. All right, all that is coming up next. All right, let's do some NBA, boys. House, first off. How how is your time in Memphis right now? I've never been to Memphis. I'm very excited for you. Oh, it's an outstanding city. You got to get down here. The belly of soul, the belly of barbecue. Uh, Memphis, Tennessee is is uh, a place full of of soulful action. And I was very lucky last night. I was uh, very close to the floor. Some would say on the floor for the, for the Dallas Memphis tilt. A crucial game for two teams fighting for playoff position. Dallas limping in. They really, really, really need Luka back. Uh, Kyrie tried to carry the load. It was a very um, competitive game. Dallas got up by 16 points at one time in the in the third quarter. And Memphis, Desmond Bain didn't have a great shooting night. And, the, and Memphis did not shoot well from the three. But I will tell you what, being physically in that building and just sort of experiencing some stuff that you can't get watching on television I came home and I immediately made a bet on the Memphis Grizzlies to win the Western Conference. Wow. And, wow. And, and you I, know what? <laughs> you were on the same wavelength as our guy Raheem the Dream, who threw that in our group chat that he was starting to buy in with the Memphis Grizzlies. So you guys are on the same wavelength there. I'll tell you what what flipped it for me. Um, it was as we entered the fourth quarter and Memphis was still down nearly, nearly double digits. Everybody around us is saying, just watch these first five minutes. Watch the first five minutes of this fourth quarter. And Memphis was riding um, it, its bench talent. It had uh, Contra and Luke Kennard and Sally Adama and David Roddy. And, you know, the, the bench guys really hustled them back into it. But there there is a palpable thing going on there. They have the best record at home in the NBA. And they are currently either the two seed or the three seed, which means they're going to have home court advantage. So anybody in that uh, uh, five to eight range that they catch, they're going to have an advantage over the because that that home court advantage is live. It's legit. And that's that's the the principal basis for for my inclination here. Yeah, I'm 
with the Sacramento Kings loss to the Utah Jazz, the Memphis Grizzlies are the number two seed in the Western Conference currently. And, you know, like Hal said, they're 30 and five at home. So um, I think home court is going to matter a lot in the Western Conference this year. Obviously, there's only one team in the Western Conference with a winning record on the road. That is the Sacramento Kings, who are 22 and 14 on the road but you know we've spoken at length about the Memphis Grizzlies and their struggles in the half court but the one thing I'll say is that their half court defense is first in the league they're first in in defensive efficiency so this team is going to be able to get stops and we all know that defense wins championships and the one thing I'll say is that you know there's always a lot of talk that this team wins without John Morant but I think John Morant is going to show his value in the playoffs that's when they need him you know if you have a a top tier defense and I said this before John Morant kind of reminds me of Allen Iverson and you know when you look at that those Allen Iverson Sixers teams in 2001 they won with defense and rebounding and Allen Iverson was just able to go out there and get his points that's the same thing this Grizzlies team is doing and I think you want to be looking at Jaron Jackson Jr. for defensive player of the year because I think right now he's playing out of his mind you can find that on FanDuel right now I think he is you can find that at plus 150 Um, I think there's some a ton of value on that but I do think this Grizzlies team I've been talking crazy about them all year, but I think they have a legit shot of going to the finals in the West where this is probably one of the weakest West Western Conference we've ever seen. Something to that. Right now, if you're interested in the Grizzlies, they're at 8-1 to one if you want to go invest with the boys to see them go and win the Western Conference. And, you know, fellas, I watched Denver Saturday. We had the heads-up standalone NCAA tournament game, and then they were playing my Knicks, so it was perfect. I'm, like, watching both games. I'm, like... You know, my head's on a swivel and the bet the college game was so out of hand. It's like perfect. I can really dial in on this Nick game. Summer's off with the Nuggets all of a sudden. I, I I don't know if it's an end of the season lull. I don't know if it's the inability to win on the road. Obviously, the MVP odds, as you know, Raheem, have moved dramatically now in the favor of your dude Joel Embiid, and they have moved against Mr. Jokic. House, you know I've been nugget, nugget, nugget all year. I, I, I don't know where my concern level is because here's the issue. They're not good on the road as we speak, but that goes for like all the Western teams. I mean, you find me the Western team who, who actually is good on the road. That's really number one question. Number two, it's a Denver team that doesn't get after it on defense. That's my fear that their defensive shortcomings are going to come back and bite them in the butt come playoff time. The more and more I watch them, the more and more that comes to the forefront. Yeah, JJ, the the um, numbers are dramatic between when Jokic is on the floor and and when he's not. And ultimately, over the course of this eighty two game season, what I think we're seeing, is they're they're paying the price for what was supposed to be a very deep bench, um, but it's turned out to not be able to to, to deliver. Uh, Bruce Brown's been substandard. Uh, KCP is, is is solid, but not carrying it. So. This, this team um, really is going to depend on uh, MJP, uh, I mean, MPJ, Michael Porter Jr., and that is a fraught proposition. Like, that's not a place that I want to be in. I don't want I don't want M- Michael Porter Jr. stock. I don't want my Denver future to ride on, on you know, him knocking down those open threes. He, he, he did a good job of it through the course of the season, but u- ultimately, they, they, they need... Um, 
they don't have a rotation that that you can can invest in at this moment. I don't feel comfortable when Jokic is off the floor and the numbers are, you know, beating me over the head with it. One thing I want to hit you on, Raheem. These records on the road. Sacramento has played well away from their building. I want to give them credit for that because they're 22 and 14. But for the most part, you know the deal with the Western Conference teams. Memphis, off on the road. Golden State, embarrassing on the road. The rest of them, at best, you're going to find 500. Is that a trend that we can expect to continue come playoff time? Or is that is that a regular season thing? Where is that just, hey, regular season, tough traveling, not the same sort of oomph that you're going to get maybe from some of these teams on the road. Where do we stand on that, Raheem? Is that something you think come April we can keep playing in the Western Conference or not necessarily? I do think you can play this in the Western Conference and even in the East. Um, one thing that I always say about the, the, the playoffs, it's a completely different game. And one of the things that you notice is that home court advantage, um, it's a lot greater in the playoffs, um, particularly in those those game twos when a team is down 0-2 when they're coming home. So you find that home field advantage is, is, is greater in the in the postseason. And you know, I think that's gonna have an effect with some of these Western Conference teams. Now, obviously, you know, travel and you know the schedule has a lot to do with it. But when you when you look at some of these these places, like you look at the Nuggets, Denver, you look at Grizzlies, you look at Golden State, they have huge home court advantages, even the Kings. So um, a lot of these teams, they hold down the fort at home. So it won't be surprising to me if you see a lot of these series go 2-2 or, you know, you have a lot of these series based on matchups go to six, seven games just because, you know, a lot of these teams are going to be holding down the fort at home. Boys, when we come back, there's three teams for two spots trying to avoid that dreaded playing in the Eastern Conference. It's tightened up a little bit. I think one team is a given to be there, and maybe there's a little bias coming in. But you know what? I don't even think it's biased. I think it's legitimate. All right, we'll discuss that before we say goodbye next. All right, boys. So in the Eastern Conference, the way it stands right now, you basically have three teams. Two of them can find their way to avoid the plan over the next two weeks. You have the Knickerbockers, who had a terrible loss last night. They had the great win Saturday against the Nuggets. Bad loss yesterday. Randall goes for 57 points. Uh, no answers for Torian Prince. They lose at home to Minnesota as an eight-point favorite. Rough loss for them. The Nets, the Nets is so weird because just when you start to really buy in that they could be dangerous, they go on a little bit of a skid here, and they've lost their last couple of games. And then you have Miami who is like the cat with nine lives. They're like the cockroaches that you just cannot escape. They, they, they And they got a big one at home. They have the Knicks twice over the next two weeks. They got the Knicks at home on Wednesday. Then they come to Madison Square Garden next Wednesday. So, Raheem, I will start with you on this one. Miami, who right now, I want to make sure I have the standings right. Miami is a game back of Brooklyn. They are three back of the Knicks. Knicks are 42 and 31. Brooklyn is 39 and 32. Miami is 39 and 34. As it stands right now, who will be the team out of those three? Knicks, Nets, Heat. That's a part of the plan. Gut feel. I'm going to say it's the Miami, it's the Miami Heat. Um, Whoa. Yeah, it's, it's definitely Miami Heat. Um, when you, like, 
when you look at this team, they just, I mean, they're just so inconsistent. And I know they have Jimmy Butler, and a lot of people love Jimmy Butler, but, you know, he just has games. Like, he disappears for, you know, weeks at a time, and nobody notices it. And, you know, this team struggles to score. And when you look at basketball references, you know, they have a, a, a motto up there. And, you know, they actually have the Miami Heat 62% to make the play-in tournament. So, um, and they actually have the Brooklyn Nets who are like one game in front of them, 73%. So I kind of trust that model. And I think that's, that's where I would go with. So uh, I obviously have uh, a big investment <laughs> in the Nets to miss the playoffs uh, all together. So they are my, my candidate. The thing with the Nets is you know, they're, they're schizophrenic in a way that, that makes sense, right? They, they completely changed their entire roster. It was nearly a full roster turnover at the all-star break. And they're five and eight since the all-star break and a bunch of guys that they got, you know, Mikhail Bridges has been awesome. Like what a revelation. Let, 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 let Mikhail cook. I've been enjoying it, but other guys offensive efficiency wise have taken a big drop down. Dinwiddie, uh, is is shooting worse than he, than he was before the trade. Cam Johnson's playing worse. They have hard time scoring the basketball. And what the Nets have in front of them schedule-wise, they have back-to-back uh, -back against Cleveland, and then they're at Miami. I just think the schedule that they have in front of them, that the Nets, um, it, it, it is a tough road when they're in this Jekyll and Hyde mode, when they don't really know. And again, it's not a criticism. Um, they, they're like, what's the identity? What's the culture? What's our best five? Who the hell knows? We're, we're just playing games and finding out on, on the roll. I, I very much like Miami jumping up to the six and then that's dropping down, uh, to at least the seven. I'm right there with you. House, even though the market currently on FanDuel does not agree with us and they would agree with Raheem because if you look at the odds to make the playing tournament, Miami minus 270 to find their way into that playing tournament. Brooklyn is at plus 180. So I think that is a wager I might find myself reinvesting in the Nets plus 180 to be in the play-in. And you nailed it with the schedule. Back-to-back -back with Cleveland. Game against Miami coming up. That'll be a monster. And basically, long story short, the Knicks are not going to be in the play-in. They are plus 2,400 to be there. They have a very soft schedule coming up outside of the two games with the Miami Heat. They got a lot of cupcakes on their schedule. Knicks, I think, they're going to end up in that 4-5 matchup that I think everybody wants to see, which is Mitchell and the Cavaliers taking on Jalen Brunson uh, and the New York Knickerbockers. All right, Raheem, one thing one, before, oh, before we move on, one thing I want to say about Miami is that they have nine games left. Five of them are on the road, and they are just 15 and 21 on the road. And, you know, they don't have an easy schedule either. I mean, they have... They, they take on New York at home and, you know, it took a miracle for, I mean, for New York to beat them the last game, but they, New York pretty much dominated that game all throughout before they made their push. Then they have Brooklyn. Um, they have Toronto who's playing much better. They have New York again. Like, I don't see too many easy wins on this schedule. I mean, they do have Dallas. Um, it remains to be seen if Luka and Kyrie are going to be playing in that game. They have Detroit. But, I mean, they have Philly, Washington, Orlando, and Orlando's been feisty. So, to me, the way Miami's been playing, they don't have any easy wins on their schedule. And, you know, they beat Detroit the other day, but, I mean, it, it took a miracle run for them in the fourth quarter for them to get that done. So, um, I'm, I'm going to stick with Miami here. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, real quick before we say goodbye, uh, start with you, Raheem. Tuesday, I'll give you the card, NBA. What catches your eye? 
I'm gonna go with the Boston Celtics. I, I like I I don't like backing this team right now. I mean, Jason Tatum is really really struggling at this point in time, but I just think it's a good situational spot to fade the Sacramento Kings, who are coming off of uh, a back to back against the Utah Jazz. Kevin Herter isn't gonna be playing tonight. Um, Obviously, the Celtics, they had a day off um, after their loss to the Utah Jazz. But I think the, the, the Boston Celtics, they need to get back on track, close this road trip out right. So I'm going to lay the four and a half with them. I'm also going to take the money line minus 190. I think they should be able to win this game. House, anything you like tonight? Yeah, you know, I, I'm on this Boston thing as well. They're 5-0 and straight up when they are when they have rest advantage. That fits this, this situation. And and the herder being out for the Kings is a big deal to me. Um, and, and uh, you know, at some point, Jason Tatum better get out of this slump because the, the Charmin Celtics, they, they are so soft. They, they, they better start showing something. Um, this would be a good game to get right. I also like Oklahoma City catching six and a half points tonight. They're at the L.A. Clippers. The Clippers, to me, are not a win by four possession kind of team. I like getting, you know, three and a half uh, possessions out of, of Oklahoma City. They're seven and two since early March with wins over Phoenix, Golden State, Utah, and, and New Orleans. So uh, Shea is playing. This is the most important thing with Oklahoma City. Is SGA playing in this basketball game? Yes. Then follow the arrow towards, you know, a cover and a potential win because they are a radically different team. I, I still am pissed at the five-game losing streak that they they undertook by, I, I'm going to call it mysterious. They could say whatever they want about why they sat him. It was a very mysterious five games that he missed, and they lost every one of them. Uh, for me, when in doubt, fade houses, boys. Uh, I'm going to be on the Orlando <laughs> Magic tonight as that line has moved against the Wizards. They're now favored by a point. And then we got a World Baseball Classic final. I don't give a rat's you-know-what about it, but... I can't fade the Americans. Come on. It would be unpatriotic for me to come <laughs> on here and tell you I'm taking Japan. I am actually going to watch the game tonight. So I will be invested minus 130 in the United States to take down Japan. And we'll see if we get Otani coming out of the bullpen. Well, guys, next week, Final Four, baseball futures, closer to the Masters, closer to the NBA playoffs, and how I'm going to be in Vegas on Thursday. Am I going to oh, be in one piece? This is my final show next Tuesday. Well, actually, we have a Friday show, but uh, get ready. Friday show, Tuesday show, and then I'm in Las Vegas. So uh, Lord have mercy. Yeah, where's the prayers up, bro? Prayers up. For Joe House, Raheem Palmer. Good job by the Wargon Warrior. JJ out. Enjoy your Tuesday. Be good, everybody.